Amen. It's good to hear that again. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 here this morning. When we were laying this out over a year, the four weeks before we brought this specifically to the church and explained how it was going to be organized, I went through the philosophy uh, biblically of every member ministry. It took four weeks. Don't worry. We'll do it in the next few minutes. Uh, but uh, we, we spread it out during that time. Then we had a major meeting together as a church, took several hours on a Sunday night, and then began the training all through the summer, all the way through the fall, and all the way up until February the 2nd. So a lot went into this, but this was on the front end just to get the right biblical concept of where we are to be functioning uh, in the work of the Lord. I remember when I had the opportunity uh, years ago to be in Ukraine right after uh, the Iron Curtain had fallen. I had been there prior to that time and uh, been in the underground churches. That was, of course, uh, quite a privilege. But then I was asked to come to speak to both pastors and then to uh, the churches about how to organize for ministry. And so I preached on Ephesians 4, this very passage, and went through some of these basic principles and what God has uh, allowed people to be involved in. And I have never seen such excitement in my life because they weren't involved in the ministry. They couldn't be hardly. Uh, and uh, the pastors were doing everything they could, and they were barely existing. And when they got a hold of that, it, that thrill that they had even helped me even in a, get a greater vision for the importance for all of us to understand the place that God has for us. And so uh, we need to realize that every Christian is a minister and is part of the building up of the body of Christ. Every Christian. Every born-again believer in this room, God is called to be part of the ministry, to be a minister, and to build up the body of Christ. And it's exciting as you look at Ephesians chapter 4, you begin in verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And here we have laid out, based upon the tremendous teaching of the church and this age and the glory of what God wants to do, I therefore, and he's saying that every one of us in our walk, in our steps of faith after we accept Christ by faith, we are to understand that we are to walk worthy, we are to balance the scale, we are, our lives are to measure up to the great and holy calling that Jesus has purchased for us on the cross. And uh, the word vocation and calling are the same word. God has called every believer here into the sacred ministry of the body of Christ to further his work. You know, we often think about pastors and evangelists and missionaries. But my friends, God has given everyone the privilege of being a minister. In fact, we, are, we have a calling. Did you know that everyone here has a calling that's just as important is the calling I have and the calling that others have. That's a revolutionary thought. But I can tell you right now, Falls Baptist Church has been built through not the pastoral staff, 
but, but scores of men and women who have surrendered to the ministry and have understood that God has a very definite plan for their life that will last for eternity and will do significant, uh, God will do significant things through them by his power. And so the Lord has provided everything that the body needs, grace so that its members can function in harmony one with another, and gifts so that the body can live and grow through the ordinary lives of men. My friends, we look at Christ's life and we're thrilled by that, and we ought to. The gospels just come alive. But then you see the fact that Christ is glorified and he won the victory on the cross. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And what did he do? The Father, based upon the finished victory of Christ, sent the Spirit of God into every one of our hearts. And my friends, Christ walks on this earth now through you and through me. His ministry is going on just as effectively by his power. And friends, we are his hands, his feet, his mouth, his eyes, our very person. If we are yielded to the Holy Spirit, we are continuing on the ministry of our blessed Savior. But we've got to yield to that. We've got to believe that. We're all called to the ministry. The story is told of Oliver Cromwell. And I won't go into all of his history, but uh, when he faced the shortage of precious metal to make coins, uh, sent his troops to find out <clears throat> where they could find some gold and all, and they reported that the only precious metal could be found in the statues of saints um, in the corners of churches in England. And so he said, well, melt down the saints and put them in circulation. <laughs> I got a kick out of that when I read it the other day. I thought, that's good. We all need to get melted down and put into circulation, don't you think? Uh, and God, I, I tell you what, I probably shouldn't say it, but a lot of saints just sit like statues. We're all saints, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, there's St. Brad over here and, uh, and so forth. St. Mark sitting over here. That's what the Bible says. We're all called out ones, part of the church. But we need to be put into circulation. Listen, and I said it in our class this morning, the starting point class. If every believer in America understood they were called to the ministry and allowed God to empower them, this country would be shaken. There are enough believers in America right now to change the course of the United States of America. The problem is, in some ways we're like statues, just sitting. Not, and not many people just don't know what to do, don't understand. And that's what I understood as a pastor. It's my role to make this clear, the great privilege that we have. And the church can be so unified. You have the wonderful verses uh, 2 through 6 and uh, talking about that we believe the same thing and when we're called to the ministry, we're able to work together. Wonderful section there, but verse 7, but unto every one of us, just like we're all called to the ministry, but unto every one of us is given grace, God's enabling power, that divine inner, uh, that working in our lives according to the measure, the uniqueness of the gift of Christ. So not, is, not only is every person who's a believer called into the ministry, every believer is empowered by a spiritual gift. Now, friends, this is absolutely vital for you to understand that uh, uh, the gifting is not based upon natural ability, background education or anything. It's based upon the work of the Spirit of God. Every Christian can do miraculous things. In fact, God takes the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. 
He will oftentimes and most of the time gift you in the area that you're weak so you know and everyone else knows that's God. That's the work of Christ. Do not ever come up with an excuse that I cannot do the work of the ministry based upon your human evaluation. In fact, God just glories in taking those weak things. I tell you, it's a miracle to be used of God, and it will change your life. It will absolutely change your paradigm on why you're here. When you begin to see God do things you could not humanly do, it is totally by the grace of God and his gifting. So every Christian is called to minister. Every Christian is gifted to do that. Now I want to get into just the last few minutes here, the, the heartbeat of this, this matter of every uh, one of us are ministers. If you look at verse 11, you have the leadership gifts listed out there. And so I want to talk about the pastor's equipping ministry. The pastor's equipping ministry uh, you see there uh, in that list, the pastor and teachers. That's one gifting. And it is for, it's connected directly to the next phrase, for the perfecting of the saints. God has given the leadership gifts, the pastoral gift, the evangelist gift. We have that on staff. Very thankful for that. God has given the leadership gifts to equip the people to be able to walk worthy of their calling, to be able to see their gifts activated and so that they can be what they ought to be. So that equipping ministry is a restoration ministry. Uh, we need to get all the wrong thinking out. I've just spent some time talking about that. By the way, folks, there's not this thing as high clergy and low laymen. That came out of, of uh, false Christianity, folks. We are all together in this. This I'm just a layman. Don't get that out of your vocabulary. And, uh, but the idea of being equipped, perfected, has the idea also of being made complete. And uh, it was the idea of a medical term used for setting a bones or fixing a net. So we are all broken because of the fall. We're saved by the grace of God. As we grow in the Lord, God is developing us so that we can do the work of Christ. And the pastor and the evangelist, the leadership of a church is to equip, to train people so that, first of all, they know how to have victory. We need to accept the love of God, as we've been talking about this uh, these last months. We need to understand that there is victory in Christ. We can live a, victor a life uh, overcoming sin in our lives. Plus, our thinking can be changed and we can be used of God. So it is a restoration uh, ministry, 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And then the pastor needs to have the training ministry to teach the word of God. And uh, that's my, one of my main roles is to equip by uh, endeavoring to get you into the word so that you are equipped to understand it and walk by faith uh, and see God use you. To train for the ministry uh, so that our lives can be used. You know, we know 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Why? We often forget the next verse. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. 
All right? So the whole idea of Scripture is to transform us so that we can be able to do the works that God has called each one of us to do. And, uh, and obviously, as pastors and evangelists, we should be uh, through prayer and through everything that we can to see people uh, restored and trained. And then also the organizational responsibility. Uh, Brother Blanton got up here and talked about some of the things. It's not an organization. It is the church organized. But the pastor is, uh, uh, one of the terms is bishop. It means overseer. There is a responsibility to put the pieces together so that every person that's in a local church can be all that God wants them to be and, and can function in ministry. And one of the reasons we have small group ministry, we want as wide an opportunity as possible, as extensive as possible, so that everyone can serve the Lord very specifically in the ministry. And so uh, this has been very important in my own uh, mind, 1 Peter 5, 2, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. We need to guide the sheep to the proper places. Most of you have heard of the former head football coach at Alabama, Bear Bryant, and uh, he was one of the greatest coaches of all time. But one time he was interviewed after it was announced about the All-American team that only one of his players had been named to it. He, asked, uh, that he was asked if he was disappointed, and he said that he was, but his answer wasn't what they thought. Uh, he said he stated that since his goal was always team effort, either all of his teams should be All-American or none should be. And the point in the ministry here is we need to so uh, let God work that everyone is developed. Everyone has an opportunity to truly uh, be used of God. The pastoral staff should not be the super ministers. We are all involved in the ministry. And churches are built by God's people. And uh, God will work in just a, a tremendous way if we have that perspective. But I need to move on now to the second point, and that is the people's edification ministry. We've mentioned that every person within a local church is a minister. It is my responsibility, those that assist me, to equip, to train, to do everything we can to restore so that people can be used of God. By the way, let me just stop here. Not a person here that can't have a mighty, mighty life of ministry if you choose to trust God. And we're committed to that. We want your life to really count for the Lord. But uh, all of uh, our folks should be able to do the work in the ministry and be part of building up the body of Christ. Now, if we go back to uh, chapter 4 here, for the perfecting of the saints, uh, there in verse 12, you have three prepositions, all translated in the English, for, F-O-R, but the second two are different than the first phrase, and so the second two phrases are subordinate to the first one. Now, let me just make it simple. The pastor is to equip the saints so they can do the work of the ministry, so that they can build up the body of Christ. Right there, it's the responsibility of all of us to build up the body of Christ, not to just a few chosen ones, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, it's absolutely a thrill when you see what it means 
to be part of that. This is the ministry of the quote-unquote layman, the people of God, the saints within the church of the living God. And so first of all, it's to bring uh, to the unity of the faith. My friends, it is the responsibility, obviously, of the pastor to lead in this, but people need to know the Word of God. They cannot walk by faith without that. In fact, the Great Commission says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And my friends, there's no way a pastor can do it. There's no way his assistants can do it. That one-on-one discipleship, one-on-one communication, the mentoring, the teaching in Bible studies, all of the different ways that God gives everyone within a church to give the truth is how people mature quickly. And God wants you to, be, to cause people to discover the Word of God. And we're gonna, we do everything we can to make that possible there. But people need to realize every answer in life is in the Word of God. And that they can, uh, that they, they can base their life upon it. And so uh, the, whenever you see faith with the article the before it, it means the faith, the Word of God. And so it is everyone's responsibility to help people come to a right understanding of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. I remember as a young person and as a child, I would go to layman's homes, and it was in the first part of the last century, you could see some of these from previous eras, they would have massive libraries because they understood that laymen were to, to know the word of God. And then we got to sort of star performers in the 60s and 70s, and people just became an audience. It's back to everyone being a Bible student. Everyone needs to realize, I can be part of helping others come to know the faith. And then to help others know Christ personally. I love this middle part of verse 14. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, helping them know the truth of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to, to know experientially uh, the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, it is vital that that one-on-one, that that personal engagement with people that occurs in small group ministry and occurs uh, in various forms of ministry. People need to know Christ. They will know him through you because Christ is working through you. And as you teach them the truth, you then exemplify the truth. Be thou an example. And I'm telling you, folks can grow rapidly if they are mentored by a believer that's walking with Jesus. And so uh, we need to realize that we can talk about prayer, but newer Christians and older Christians for that matter need to uh, pray with somebody. That's why we do a lot of corporate prayer here, just to understand what it's like to pray. And then, of course, teaching how to pray. But, oh, my friends, uh, uh, there's no way the leadership here can pray with everybody individually. What about how to learn how to evangelize? Go with you. Uh, That's how you learn. That's how I learned. Went with my dad, went with other men, saw God do it. I believe that God can reach people with the gospel. Why? I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it. And all of these different aspects. 
you know, leadership, like General Eisenhower said, the art of leadership, he would have a simple piece of string that he put it on the table and say, pull it and it will follow you wherever you wish. Push it and it will go nowhere at all. And it's just that way when it comes to leading people. I'm telling you folks, I need every one of you to lead people to prayer, to soul winning, to Bible study, to how to have family devotions, how to handle situations in life, just how to live. Your lives, your examples are vital. You're going to infect some, affect somebody. You are going to life someone if you're will, willing to be used of God. As Paul said, be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. And he said then, uh, be a follower of me even as I am of Christ. And so we need to, uh, to understand uh, how important this is. And then to disciple others to a life of maturity. I just read that there in verse 13, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We get this concept that it takes 32 and a half years to become a mature Christian. <laughs> Did you know that Christians can be powerful men and women of God in a matter of weeks and months if they're around revival Christians? If they're being ministered to, discipled, loved, taught? Doesn't take long. Sure, there's maturing, there's character development that comes through transformation. But there can be an unbelievable amount of understanding of truth. New Christians can really grow if we will work with them. I've given this illustration, but a dear man in our church in Chicago was a construction superintendent. He just loved the Lord. He lived in constant revival. It didn't take but about 30 seconds when I talked to him, and I got excited about the Lord again. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. He won many people to Christ, but during the nine and a half years that I was there in Chicago, six men, by the time I finished, were deacons in that church that he had led to the Lord while I was there in the nine and a half years. That's what you call. He discipled every one of them, and they became like him. Folks, it's really stirring. This is God's plan. It's not big, massive rallies. I'm not opposed to that. That'd be tremendous. But I'm telling you, it's Christians reaching Christians so that those Christians can reach other Christians. And folks, it is how the New Testament church did it. That's why the small groups are set up so that we're touching lives. And if we're willing to sacrifice and give ourselves, folks, it can be explosive what God would do if we're willing to give ourselves to the Lord. Paul believed that, Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. But then he goes on and says, whereunto I also labor, <laughs> striving according to his workings, all of God. But he had to labor, which worketh in me mightily. And then finally, to protect from untruth and error. Looking at verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Folks, Satan is constantly with his trickery, his craftiness, his scheming, trying to get people off of the truth. I could give you several illustrations. I can look out here right now and give you illustrations of disciples or Sunday uh, Bible study leaders who saw error beginning to come into somebody they were working with. 
I mean, many times several have come to me and said, what do I do? Where, what can, where can I learn? Not expecting me to solve all those problems, but they wanted to do it. So they grew through it and they helped protect those folks. And you very folks are here right now because somebody followed Ephesians chapter 4. Man, hallelujah. I mean, there's a battle for the lives of people. And that's what God wants us to do, to so love the Word of God and so be burdened about others that we stand between the devil and those people and know the truth and are able to help them and to bring them along. And it's amazing how many people don't, that could have crashed don't crash because of the ongoing commitment, uh, especially in the small group setting. And so we want to bring people to a place of spirituality. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. We need to bring people along. And, uh, and Paul warned in Acts 20 to the elders there in verse 29, he said, After I depart, grievous wolves are going to come. And they're going to arise, and those verses speak of how uh, there's going to be a real battle. And uh, Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Oh, to be able to help people. And verse 16 speaks of how the body functions and what a privilege to help people be healthy in the body so it can be all that it ought to be. Well, I covered four weeks of material. In a little over 20 minutes. Hope you appreciate that. <laughs> but folks, it's exciting to be part of God's work. I'm looking at Christ's plan. He said, I'm going away, but it's better that I go. Because I'm going to send the comforter. Do you realize we're living out the book of Acts right now? It never ended. And you are to be Christ. Not I, but Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We ought to be living out that reality. And the beauty of breaking down ministry into smaller units is that God can gift us exactly what's needed, <clears throat> empower us. We can touch people's lives. And Christ, how many did he intensely work with? Twelve. Our Bible studies. It's his pattern. I'm telling you folks, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about some just what can be done in the future. And I would love for you to just be saying to the Lord, what would you have me to do? And all of you that are committed to ministry and very faithful, we need to ask God for a renewed vision to realize that his plan is on the move. And God's ready to work if we'll allow him to do it. Let's bow for prayer.